too. John Gibson saying, What have you done to the world, politician? You separate brother from brother like a magician. So we're just going to start off really sad and depressing. Is that, is that what we're doing? <laughs> I guess so. Awesome. You like the quote. Uh, it's a great quote. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Taylor. I'm Brian. And this is the Echo Podcast. Where we are looking for truth in the noise. We just finished our mini-series, Love Your Neighbor Politically, and we're going to wrap that up with some of the thoughts that we didn't get to have and topics that we didn't get to discuss in the previous episodes. We hope you all enjoyed our series, Love Your Neighbor Politically. This episode's going to be a little bit different. We don't really have, it's not going to be as structured. It's much more loosey-goosey, but we're just kind of working out our own thoughts and things that we didn't get to talk about before, kind of just having a platform to discuss those. And uh, we'd love to hear from you guys what your thoughts are on, on what we're talking about too. So. Yeah, Brian, they, they, these are kind of like numbers 11 through 20, but they didn't make the top 10. Yeah, that, that, sound, that sounds about <laughs> right. <laughs> no, so what, what I, I'm curious to hear kind of just like your story as it engages with politics and, and sure. how your faith has formed that. Well, I was raised uh, Pentecostal holiness, which generally has really focused on the liberation of people, um, minorities, those who have been underrepresented and underprivileged. And yet, when we think of those groups, we generally think of Democrat, or at least that's how the presentation is. But I was raised conservative Republican, and that was how our church was. So I went to college, and that was really where I began to encounter different political ideologies and views. And I began to ask the question, um, do I really know everything? Do, do, do I really have the right tools, uh, so to speak, to navigate this political landscape? Um, through encountering people and engaging in conversations and reading a lot of material, whether I agreed or disagreed with it, it, it led me to realize that I didn't have to be a Republican to be a Christian, that I didn't have to be pigeonholed into a political platform in order to love God and to love my neighbor. And I think for a lot of people, that's kind of a liberating thing to realize that I can disagree politically with somebody, but still they can be my brother or sister in Christ. With I'm I'm just curious, and this hopefully doesn't get us too off track. But <laughs> with your um, the faith background with which you came, yeah, was there a moment in time where the majority of people shifted their political allegiance? Um, not uh, not necessarily. Historically, Pentecostals were very much missionary minded, and that's still one of the aspects that we see ourselves as missionaries to the culture or to other continents and cultures and people. Um, after the Civil War, uh, we became much more introverted, uh, very much concerned with the internal health and mechanisms of the faith. And it wasn't until uh, the Azusa Street Revival in the early 1900s where that missionary uh, mindset and mentality really came back in. And that's when the outreaches really, really began. Um, so I was surprised to find out that a lot of our original affiliation was Republican, um, and maybe that's because of the modern-day presentation of the political parties. Um, that changes. The, the political, the Republicans way back in the day are not the exact same Republicans today, and Democrats and so on and so forth. Um, so there wasn't a, a huge moment of shifting, but this is where the culture influenced my church. 
Um, and I really think that that was in the early 1900s, World War One and World War Two, where we really became concerned citizens of America and not always concerned citizens of the kingdom of God. Hmm. Well, my story um, would be that I, I'll just start it in college. I preached some sermons in college that I had to repent of. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, maybe not the whole sermon. Uh, thankfully, the... Uh, First Christian Church in Galena, Kansas, were the most gracious group of people to let a young person like me kind of cut my teeth in ministry. Um, but there were a few paragraphs in those first or, uh, those first few years of preaching that I'm a little embarrassed of now, where it really was, it really did come across as uh, if you're a Christian, you're a Republican, and yeah. y- you could have certainly taken it that way. And so I you know, wanted to apologize to some people there who uh, I know did not share that political belief and somehow had the grace to stick it out with me. Hey, if <laughs> um, you're listening, your former pastor is apologizing for oh, what man. he said from the pulpit. Well, I mean, I already have made a few of those apologies in person because <laughs> I felt bad about them. Um, but, you know, and God, God grows us in different ways. Yeah. Um, but I just really had realized that I had made some statements that were over generalizations and things. And uh, again, probably came to something similar to you of realizing like the stuff that I thought, some of it was being formed on the radio from people who did not have the kingdom of God at heart, um, but were either entertainers or had a political agenda or whatever. So um, my, my thing is with the church, I realize that politics impacts people in and out of the church, so it's important, and I don't ever want to say it doesn't matter. Right. But my first priority is with the church, and I do have some concerns with how it feels like politics, especially partisan politics, has discipled Christians in a bad way. Especially when you think about how um, the parties present themselves. Um, One of the rules of marketing is that you make yourself look cooler than you really are, (laughs) and that's how you get people to pay attention to you. The flip side of that is that you make your opponent look as terrible as possible, and that way they leave and they come to your side. Um, So how, how, how did you deal with kind of finding your footing. Well, not, not, not so much you finding your footing, but definitely um, finding out how to express this concern to the church who has a witness that goes beyond politics. Well, I went quiet for a long time. Um, I cut off uh, some of the talk radio I'd listened to for a long time. Yeah. And I just realized I needed time away from the political noise um, to hopefully be formed more biblically. Uh, but I also realized during that time I needed to not say anything because I felt like I had no good opinions to yeah. give. Um, when I started to come out of that and I felt like uh, the gospel was was shaping, being able to shape some politics, uh, then I have preached um, sermons and include things in the sermons, uh, but I always want it to be from a, a the kingdom standpoint. Right. And I want people to know if they're hearing a sermon that they are welcome in our church if they are affiliated with a Democrat or Republican Party or independent or whatever they may be. Um, I want them to know that there's a place for them, but we all need discipled by Jesus um, to even stand against our own political affiliations right. when, you know, when we need to. I'm, I'm reminded of a quote, and I forget who said it, but it's, Be wary of the man 
who seems to have all the answers, um, and even be and be even more wary of the man who claims to have all the answers. Mm-hmm. Um, in our political landscape, it seems like two candidates it's either we trust them explicitly because they're going to fix it all and the other person's going to ruin it and nobody really just adequately addresses and deals with them as people um uh, yeah i'd love to hear your thoughts on um, you being a pastor over a congregation specifically um social media is this terrifying platform where people can post and say almost anything and i know facebook has these fact checkers and things that are going on now and now you have to click see this photo and that kind of thing um so what is your concern for christians on social media and and how they decide to engage um not only with their witness but their witness in the sphere of politics yeah well i think i think we want to do a whole episode one time just on social media um sometime later but just to, so to speak specifically about how it informs our politics, you know, the algorithms are all set to build an echo chamber right. for your political preferences. So that shapes people's entire worldview. Yeah. Uh, I, I did this little experiment one time where I read all of Trump's tweets for a week, um, and then I would immediately go to Fox News and then to CNN and to see how they reported them. And they did it just equally. There was no issues. Nothing was taken out of context oh, for either side. totally. I mean, it's just yeah. completely fair. Journalism <laughs> is not dead. <laughs> it, it was pretty uh, eye-opening. Yeah. And since that time, I actually have spent more time trying to read what people actually say than what people say about them. So just spoiler is if you try that, what you'll find is... Um, you know, CNN would uh, over-amplify things that he said. Right. And Fox would just not even mention that he had flat-out lied that morning. Mm. They would cover up, or even big news stories, uh, they would not mention, or they would frame them in a completely opposite way. Right. And so you just realize from both sides we're really angling. And, and so people, their whole worldviews are being shaped where they can be really misled and have the best of motivations if they're not careful with their media. So I despise social media informing <laughs> people's news. I think that's pretty dangerous. Definitely. There's a book that came out recently, not recently, a while ago, I should say. Um, that's the complete opposite. Recently? No, a while ago. But it's called The Death of Expertise. <laughs> because we have search engines, because so much is online now, um, everyone is an expert in the field that they're not even competent to comment on, mm-hmm. but they Googled it. They went to WebMD and found out they have all these crazy diseases, or they read a blog post on economics, and they're the ones who are going to be able to fix it. Um, I have found in my own personal life that if I'm not careful, um, I will caricature issues mm. and people, mm-hmm. um, even within my own tribe. And my concern is that I don't want to bear false witness against my neighbor by lying about what they believe and what they stand for, um, that I actually want to know who they are, what they believe, where they're coming from. So this whole concept of like fake news to me is really, it's not only a matter of integrity, but it's also a matter of how we see our neighbor. Are we going to treat our opposition, those who we come in disagreement with, are we going to represent them 
not that they're right and not that they're wrong, but as they actually are. Politically, that's suicide. You don't show your opponent as they really are because then that implies either candidate could be a viable option. So for me as a believer, um, bearing false witness against my neighbor immediately comes to the forefront of my mind when it goes to representation, my representation of a different party or, or of a different platform, um, which leads to the idea or the, the for me the question of uh, church members posting things on social media that aren't true, but they think is true. Yeah, and I've actually seen this play out way too many times recently where somebody posted a manipulated video. Um, For instance, the Trump campaign released a manipulated video of Biden to make him look worse uh, than he is. And uh, that campaign got shared a lot, as you can imagine. And then it got taken down because it had been manipulated. It wasn't truth. Right. And so I had several Christian friends who posted that. And then I saw somebody on their comment section said, hey, this this video has been manipulated. It's not true. And I saw that Christian's response who posted it was not, I'm so sorry. It was, well, it it's just like him anyway. Wow. And I was really disheartened. And that's not just a problem on the right. That's a problem on the left yeah. as well of posting debunked conspiracy theories or just flat out lies or manipulated videos or pictures and lying about it. And then when you get called out, you're like, well, it's just like them anyway. So that's that word, that caricature. Right. We would rather just, you know, be holding to that idea of them than actually be faced with the truth. And so I'm sacrificing my integrity and I'm breaking one of God's commands when I do that. Yeah. And we're not seeing it that seriously. And we're also damaging our witness to the world. Well, it's I'm max really of, encouraged. Yeah. It, it, discouraged. It's max of hypocrisy mm-hmm. more than anything else that we, you know, when we talk about hypocrisy, a lot of people are like, oh, well, we're not going to call people hypocrites. It's like, no, no, a hypocrite is just somebody who claims this is true, good, and right, and then intentionally turns around and does the opposite or even justifies somebody doing it even though they're having a very strong statement against that thing do you uh, I, I know in my conference and in my churches I, I i see that um probably more than i would care to admit um can we talk about the national debt yeah let's talk about the <laughs> national debt no, i just think it's the perfect example for hypocrisy that we see from both parties and uh, i'm concerned for the christian who makes a big deal about how terrible the national debt is when the other party is in control. Right. And as soon as their party is in control, crickets. Not that big of Nothing. a deal now. And the truth is the national debt has skyrocketed uh, under both of the last two administrations. Yes, and that, that, that that's, again, I think that's the fair presentation. We can't compare, if you will, looking for problems or looking for inconsistencies. It's like, no, 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 if we're going to, if we're going to have accountability, then that means that standard goes for everyone. And and people aren't stupid. If they hear you making a big deal about it when their person is president, but then see you dismissing it when your person is president, yeah. they're, they're smart enough to be like, oh, 
that person's a bit of a hypocrite with that one. That person doesn't really have integrity. They would rather win political points than actually do what's right. And that's pretty problematic. Same thing with character. And I'm just talking to the church here especially. Right. For a long time, we said character mattered. Yep. And then we said it did not matter because we want a commander-in-chief, not a pastor-in-chief, or whatever all of these different phrases were, right. that basically were saying character doesn't matter anymore. Right. But then when there's somebody else who comes up, we don't like character matters again. Right. It's kind of dizzying. I'm not sure if, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to think anymore. Does it matter or not? I mean, I, I yeah. think it does. Um, but I'm saying these inconsistencies are really problematic uh, for our witness to the world. I think so, because people are going to say, oh, well, if they're inconsistent in their politics— then what does their God accept from them? Exactly. And that's what I'm getting at. That's the bigger thing here. Yeah. Don't don't shut down in this conversation yep. because I offended your politics. Let's come back to what do people think? Do they think you have integrity when you talk to them about God? Right, because even as we mentioned in a previous episode, we can have different political leanings and the church has to be big enough to encompass both Republican, Democrat, and third parties and, and everyone who's involved. But the gospel transcends that. And I think that word's really, really important. I know very strong Christians who are Democrats. I know very strong Christians who are liberals. And I know very strong Christians who are Republicans. And there's a recognition that if Christianity is a bullseye, as long as you're on the target— as long as you're on the board, you're still a Christian that we have in the center. We have dogma. To be a Christian, you have to believe these things. Then we get to that next ring, and this is doctrine, and that's going to be different denominational hermeneutics. It's not error yet. Or it's not, it may be error, but it's not heresy. Little nuances. But then we get to convictions. This, this is what I believe, and this is what you believe, but we're, we're still on the board. And then we get to freedoms, the last ring, freedoms and liberties, that we, we are free to have differing opinions, we're free because the Bible doesn't intentionally or explicitly address these certain topics. Did you know that Alan Alda is a Democrat? No way, really? <laughs> I, I remember talking to a friend about uh, this incredible work that he's doing with people in the medical field. He's teaching them improv comedy skills because you have to listen to do improv. Right. And it's improving uh, medical communication because he's teaching doctors and nurses how to actually listen to each other through wow. improv. It's really, really cool. That's so cool. I was telling somebody about this, and you know what the first thing they said was? Well, of course, he's like a crazy Democrat. Oh, gosh. And, you know, he was—I was telling my friend this, and that was the first thing he could think of was like, well, we need to, like, filter it. We need to not think of it as too great because he is this. Right. And so Alden Alda has become the voice in my head of, like— I, I just want to ask you, would you please not define people by their political position? Don't yeah. bring it up because that statement does no good for anybody. It, it doesn't. It just pushes us into those echo chambers, I think. For those of you who don't know who Alan Alda is, <laughs> Alan Alda was the main character, Hawkeye, I believe, in the TV show MASH, which was based off the movie uh, directed by um, uh, Robert Altman. Yeah. And... It's such an old show that when I was little, I was just watching the reruns, I think. I was watching the reruns of the reruns. Yes. <laughs> of the reruns. <laughs> Thanks for bringing that up. You're welcome. It's still a good show. Like, that's got, uh, it's evergreen. And, and you know what? For its time, and I think that there's a point to what I'm saying, so hear me. For its time, it was very 
liberal. Yes. And it was true. very controversial. True. And yet in today's world, we look at it and we go, man, that's really tame. That's really <laughs> conservative, if you will. And I think that actually kind of betrays that if we're basing our faith on the political landscape and culture of America, the political landscape and culture of America changes all the time. It is so inconsistent. It is so unpredictable. You'll have people from any platform saying that they agree or support one decision, and then a couple years later when it's not convenient, they say, well, if I would have known now, or if I would have known then what I know now, or, well, no, I, I was just going with the flow. No, this is what I really think. That's just really dangerous. And I think for a lot of us, America, we would recognize that um, the church in America has a bit of an identity crisis. There are so many voices telling us who we are and what we should be and what we should do, especially non-Christians telling Christians how they should be. And some of those really loud voices come from politicians. If you're a real Christian, you'll do blank. If you really loved your neighbor, you'll do blank. And we mentioned before that that's a fallacy, but that doesn't stop it from being present. Yeah. So do I have a responsibility to vote? Ooh, I don't know if you have a responsibility, but you definitely have a right to vote, right? Everyone has the right to vote. Like that is your freedom to do so. So do I have to check one of the two boxes of the major parties? Well, as a Christian, the answer is yes. <laughs> no, that's no. As a Christian, no. The answer no. There's only one box you get to check, right? Isn't that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I I actually wrestled with this because if if we're being if we're being rather candid, I don't like either of the candidates um, that both parties have. I don't think that they're morally good. I don't think they're politically good. So I'm at a weird place. There's one camp that's telling me, don't vote, and that's your voice. It is your right to vote, but you also don't have to. You can if you want to. That's what the right is. But then I have another camp that's saying, no, no, no. Vote for the lesser of two evils. Ugh. And I kind of sit there and I go, but if they're both evil, then I shouldn't support either of them. And I said, well, you know, it's not about character. It's about politics. But then the other thing, no, no, it is about character. It's not about politics. And like you said, it's dizzying. Is there a right answer? Because at some point, if you have bad character, bad politics are going to follow. What? That, <laughs> no, that doesn't make sense. Clearly, I can do things against my character that are still good. So I'm not offended if you disagree with this next statement, but I'm not a big fan of McDonald's or Burger King. Um, I've eaten at both, and I'll probably eat at both again. But um, let's just say I lived in a little town, and those were the only two restaurants there. Um, and somebody said, where are you going to eat today? Uh, I'll probably just fix a sandwich at home. Well, no, you have a right to eat at McDonald's and Burger King. Right. You have to choose. No, I don't. Nope. I, they, the service at both of those places in this little town has been terrible. They spit on my food and they just throw it on the ground and they cuss me out and they don't give me back the correct change. It's terrible. I'm not going to support either of those until they get their place in order and they can give me a good product that I can get behind. It doesn't have to be perfect. Nope. They can mess up the change every now and then. Sure. But I'm not supporting them until they give me something worth supporting. I'm That's, not I'm not loving it and I'm not having it my way, so I'm gonna go with a third <laughs> alternative. <laughs> yeah. So I 
I think that is a reasonable political position. And what it does is it, um, you, and you don't have to agree with this politically, but there's something to be said about saying, if I, if I keep supporting the lesser of two evils, then I'm supporting evil that will keep going because the bottom line is the party only cares if they get my final vote in November. Yeah. And so that means they don't care if they give me a rotten candidate mm. or somebody that, um, like with the issue of abortion, mm-hmm. both candidates have flip-flopped their position in the last couple of decades. They have. Completely. Why? Because it was politically profitable. The polls indicated this is what people wanted to hear. And so uh, do, do I want to vote for somebody who changed their political position just because it was valuable, even though they don't really believe it? Uh, it would be so much better if the Democratic Party would say, let's have an honest conversation about this and make space for people who are pro-life. Yep. I mean, that would greatly alter their entire party. Yes, it would. I know Christian Democrats who don't support abortion, and I know Christian Republicans who support gay rights. Yeah. That but, that doesn't fit in the box, right? No. That doesn't fit in the preconceived notion of what we're expecting. Um, and so— Unfortunately, their parties cast them aside. Yeah, there's not a there's not room for them. I hope I hope that some people can keep working to make room. Definitely. Uh, all I'm saying is I think it's reasonable to say uh, I'm not expecting a perfect candidate, but I I'm not going to give you my currency, the the vote that I hold of great value, unless you have the character and the competency and enough political positions that I agree with for me to support it. How do you deal with people who say this is the only issue that matters when it comes to these debates? Or I'm going to vote for the candidate that does blank, and it's this one thing that clearly does not represent the entirety of what goes into the political position that they're running for. I don't believe them. Hmm. I say that because I think that even if their candidate changed their position— they would still stick with them. Yeah, usually. Not all the time, but usually. I actually had a friend who um, asked people online, would you vote for Biden if he came out as pro-life? Mm. And and there was a huge number. In fact, like 99% of the people were like, no. Usually they had exclamation points after that. That told me that like maybe it's not just a one-issue thing. Yeah. But I think that we become so tribalized and and there's and there may be other good reasons for that right um i'm just not sure that it's always tied to that one issue that we think it is but even if it is i think that if uh, if you're an immigrant or you work with immigrants it's fair for you to care about them yeah definitely and for the people who are in total limbo right now through no fault of their own other than a really broken immigration system Mm -hmm. i think it's fair to care for them Politically, yeah, and the same is true for people that are working with people, you know, whether they're incarcerated or mental health issues. I mean, there's a gazillion issues, yeah. including pro-life issues. So it's fair for you to have that position that you care about maybe the most. But I don't think it's cool to say, well, the one that I care about the most is the only one that matters, right? Um, especially if you come to the place of saying. Even if we voted your way, I'm not sure it would actually change the reality of what's happening in America with this issue. Yeah. So I guess it's problematic for me. No, I, I, th- I think it is too. Um, 
nobody is for one thing only and no and no person is saying this is the only issue that matters um even if they present themselves that way the actual livability of that idea it just falls apart just quite simply um I, i despise sound bites and yet the christian faith really promotes um a very what i think is a very simple sound bite um and, and that actually is the only soundbite that I'm okay with. Uh, and it's actually the echo from uh, the angels whenever they're speaking to the shepherds at the birth of Christ. And it says, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill to men. And to summarize that, it's God's glory and our good. Mm. Well, who's what's our good? Well, we know that God is for us. Uh, and by us, I want to be really careful when I say this, most of the times we'll hear us, and it's going to be, oh, Christians. It's like, no, God is often for his enemies, not that he's cool with what they're doing and that there's not going to be repercussions, but God is for their well-being. God is for the good of his enemies. And we need to recognize as Christians what we do should be for God's glory Mm. and our good. Mm -hmm. Do the Republicans always have God at the forefront of their ideology? Not even close. Do Democrats have the good of their neighbor? If you want to Mm-hmm. Listen to the jargon that people are presenting. Do they always have the good of their neighbor as the main thing of their platform that they follow perfectly? No, not at all. The Christian can't be pigeonholed into only one political party, even if they lean more one way or another based on personal convictions. Absolutely. Hey, and I have some good news. Can we talk good news for a moment? No, um, not I'm... in today's world. That would, that would be <laughs> that would be crazy. It's so depressing. It can be. It's very depressing yeah. to get lost in this conversation. It really can. But, so I, I, I thought it'd be good if we just talked about a, a few good things. Yeah. One good thing is Snicker that in, in what I have done on social media, sometimes I've deleted things I've posted because I thought that's too problematic or troublesome or not yeah. enough nuanced. Um, and I, I lacked uh, the strength of relationship to carry the weight of that conversation. Yeah. And so I've, I've done that sometimes. But I've tried to post things that represent the salt and light of Jesus, that give empathy to others. Mm. And what I've found is that by trying to not get pigeonholed, I have people from different political parties noticing that and asking me about it. That's been a really cool development in the last few That's years. Awesome. So I volunteer at a local school and um, uh, got to be friends with one of the teachers. And but he he pulled me aside one time and he said, and I and I just kind of know him. I've talked to him uh, about some books and some you know educate you know school and stuff. But he said, hey, I, I've been watching you on social media, and I'm not I'm not a Christian, but. Uh, I always like to look at your social media, and I wanted to ask you about it. Hmm. Man, what an opportunity That's so cool. to talk about the gospel. So the good news is I think if Christians can be a little winsome and thoughtful right. rather than just polarized and partisan, then we actually, because it's so unusual, can gain a hearing with people who may not know the gospel. Yeah, definitely. Politics does not have the final word on hope and solution and meaning. That's ultimately the gospel, that as Christians, we don't bow to the answers from politics. We bow to the salvation of God and what he offers us. And if we're not careful, we can begin to claim that a certain party offers Mm -hmm. what the cross offers. And if we're not careful, we can pigeonhole, get into that echo chamber, or refuse to listen to our neighbor 
who really wants to understand meaning, value, and purpose in life. But we're not going to answer their real questions. We're going to attack the image that we have in our mind of who they are. Mm -hmm. But we have to be far more concerned with the answers and the solution and the hope from the cross, not the elephant or the donkey. Yeah. And it's the church that I want to be on the front line of leading the way in issues uh, that are haunting our country. Uh, That's where it's best. And so um, I, I don't want the church to just always complain about when secular groups try to lead some charge that's misplaced. Like, I want us to actually self-reflect on, like, why weren't we leading it? Yeah. Uh, Because then we could have formed it in a way that's more Christ-honoring and more productive and effective. And there's nothing wrong with the church looking at a, quote, secular organization and recognizing they're doing good. Um, One of my core beliefs is that we're all made in the image of God, and we're all able to do bits of good. Now, Romans and Hebrews is clear that because those good things aren't coming from faith, Mm -hmm. they're not glorifying God, and and they're not pleasing to Him. Nevertheless, sinners are still capable of good, just as believers are capable of evil. But it's the reason and the intention and the belief behind it that we have to be able to recognize and articulate. Absolutely. Should we land the plane? I think we should land the plane. I got nothing. (laughs) I, I, well, actually... We, we had scheduled five extra minutes for this we episode. Did. We did schedule so, five extra minutes. So but, b- but before, I'm going to dig into yeah. that. Is there any organizations or publications that you would recommend uh, yes. Christians who are wrestling and struggling with these topics that we're talking about? And again, we don't have all the answers. We're still sifting through this as culture changes and the cross stays the same. We're really recognizing that this journey of faith through culture um, we're going to have to answer questions that weren't present years ago, that yeah. we're going to have to deal with topics that weren't aware. Now, Christianity and the gospel never changes. The presentation and our interaction might. Yeah. So don't think that we have all the answers, um, but we believe what we believe. And until we're shown that that belief is wrong or that that conviction is misplaced, just like anybody else, we're going to keep moving forward, glorifying God and doing what's good for our neighbor. If you check out one uh, organization uh, that's trying to help Christians have a biblical worldview when it comes to political engagement, it's the AND campaign. So A-N-D campaign. And they just uh, released a book uh, called The Guide to Civic Engagement. Um, And they have a podcast that I listen to quite regularly uh, and lots of writing. But they are really trying to mobilize Christians to... uh, let the kingdom transcend their political kingdoms. Mm. And I think they do great teaching. Justin Gibney uh, is one of the leaders, and his story is kind of the flip, or kind of the opposite of mine, in that he grew up uh, as a believer, uh, as a Democrat, actually served in the Obama administration, um, but felt there was a time where he just felt like he could not reconcile his faith with some of the loud voices from his party, yeah, who at a time were even kind of vitriolic against faith. There was one of the conventions, I can't remember which one, where there was even a cheering for getting rid of the one nation under God statement. Wow. And in the midst of that cheering, he's thinking like, this isn't my party. Yeah. And my faith just doesn't line up with this. And there were several issues. And so he felt like, I have to walk away from this because 
of God's kingdom has to be greater than this, and they just can't line up anymore. And so um, he brings a very different perspective that I really appreciate his integrity in that. So uh, check that out um, if you would. I also would encourage you, if you're going to read some news, uh, the flip side is an email that you can get every day. I get that. You get it? Yeah. You like it? I I love it. I think it does a really good job of sifting through tell people what it does well it presents both sides of the bipartisan the the republican and the democrat sides of topics um issues current issues and how they're dealing with them um in a pretty accessible manner but it always provides quotes and sources um from the opposing views and where you can find them so that it's not just this loud echo chamber from one particular party and i i have found it to be very helpful and encouraging yeah and uh if i if i read national review review then i want to jump over and read politico and the atlantic and just try to balance some of the reading out instead of just taking in one news source i would also recommend reading anything by david french he writes for the dispatch and does so uh, you'll notice that his faith transcends his politics and he's really sharp politically as well but i appreciate him but it, uh, anyway check out some of those the and campaign would be the first stop for you and hopefully that can be really helpful because we believe that uh, ultimately we serve a king and can be part of the kingdom uh, that will make an eternal difference and isn't just for four years and we won't be lied to or tricked or used but actually get to be part of a king who uh, gave his life for us hope you guys enjoyed this episode i'm taylor drake i'm brian jennings and this is the echo podcast where we are looking for truth in the noise